said it was for the black man. They said it was for the Mexican and not for the white man. But if you look at the street, it wasn't about Rodney King. It's this fucked up situation and these fucked up police. It's about coming up and staying on top and screaming. Motherfucking cop. It's not the paper, it's on the wall. National Guards. Woo! Sublime with the uh, the fortune teller action. Damn, they nailed that. I mean, granted, it was about the 1992 riots, which were brought on by the Rodney King video. Uh, well, the beating of Rodney King by LAPD that was caught on video and was kind of the catalyst for crazy riots in LA when I was a kid. Um, definitely molded, uh, along with NWA, molded my my kind of animosity towards authority and the police in particular. So I thought we'd start off with that. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint, your intrepid reporter. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. I actually wanted to start today an apology. Not from myself, but from Bill Simmons, who had the audacity to discuss the uh, the issues of the day with a fellow white person. So, let's hear what he has to say. I wanted to quickly mention, you know, on Sunday night, Rasil and I did a Shoot the Shit podcast coming off of uh, everything that happened on Friday and Saturday night. We taped it before Sunday night really heated up and before... Really, all hell broke loose and went to another level. And then Monday night, Trump basically turned into a dictator. And I've been thinking long and hard about just my podcast in general on this platform and what I want to do with it over the next few weeks and months. And I think I just misread the moment on Sunday night. I, you know, was trying to do a shoot the shit, take your mind off things kind of podcast like we would always do on Sunday. And the moment was bigger than that. And I wish I had had... Um, an expert with us to that we could have bounced some questions off of and tried to learn from instead of treating the moment like we did. So um, I apologize for that. Look, I'm 50 years old. I still barely know what I'm doing, and I'm still going to make mistakes, and I'm still not going to throw no every, every step of the way. Uh, the only thing I do is learn from a mistake and try to get better at it, and I think the mistake on Sunday night was not bringing in somebody with us who you know, brought a little extra knowledge to the table, which is what we're going to try to do here in a, in a second here with Duranic. What a cuck. Oh, God. I am so exhausted at the apologetic, obvious virtue signaling from everyone on TV. I watched ESPN for like an hour while I was eating yesterday. Um, and this was like around the horn. This was, you know, pure sports shows. And it amounted to essentially just an hour of virtue signaling from from one talking head to the next. And each one more apologetic and empty. Just so transparently empty. Really embarrassing, if I'm being honest. Um, so, welcome to a non-virtue signal zone. I will be signaling no virtue. If you find me virtuous, that will be by my own merit. <clears throat> it will not be because of uh, apologizing for things I had nothing to do with, because I don't do that. Sorry. Not sorry. Anyways, 
Um, so I wanted to talk about a bunch of things because I think everyone's talked to extensively about the protests. So I'm only going to talk about that a limited amount. <clears throat> I think there's a lot of other things that we can spend time on. Uh, I know you've, you're probably worn out anyway. So I, I wanted to talk briefly about the extent, because I haven't heard anyone discuss this. I, I really think that they're, the extent to which the protests are being fueled by social media is deeply understated. Uh, all you have to do, I, and I, I realized this very early on, it was like the first 24 hours of um, violence and, you know, quasi-rioting in Minneapolis. So that was like a full week ago. And I noticed that people that weren't even looting um, were stopping and taking selfies in front of burning cop cars. And I just think that that's kind of a good microcosm for what we're really experiencing, which is that, you know, it's all about virtue signaling. And, you know, you get to put this selfie up of you in front of a cop car burning, like, look, look how to script I am. Look how in line with appropriate thought of the day I am. Love me, applaud me, like me, hit that like button, hit that it's, I mean, it's just really transparent that a huge part of this is clout chasing. Now, that doesn't justify it. In fact, it makes it, you know, less heartfelt and more pathetic. Um, but I really don't think that we would be having the the violent protests across the country as as we are if not for social media. And I'm sure, you know, that's not rocket science. Obviously, news travels faster with social media access and and that's just really the culture we live in so it makes a, it makes a lot of sense but i don't think that people have have discussed that enough because the magnitude to which i've seen people you know you, you, when you watch someone getting beat up you, if you look around in the video you'll see 10 12 people with their with their camera phones out videoing it i mean it's like it's like uh you know reporters for world star <laughs> all, all over the country right now um, and it's tragic, but, uh, it's, it's just an important, interesting kind of slant that I saw about it. Um, I wanted to talk also about, uh, Bill Simmons. So he had, um, I don't, I forget his name, sorry, but he had a black guy on that, that knew a lot more about, um, police brutality than Bill did, but he spun everything to be about race and not about the state which if you what drives me crazy is that if you really want to solve this problem it's obviously about the state it's obviously about the power we have given them over us i mean even if you think cops are only getting away with murdering black people because of racism they still wouldn't get away with it if they didn't have power. So you have to you have to identify the source of that power. And that source of the power is the fact that they work for the state. And you've given them that power. I think it's two-pronged. One, they don't want to get away from the race-baiting bullshit, which drives me crazy. But two, if if they talk about the root cause of this, the state... They have to then acknowledge the evil of the state on many levels. 
which makes leftists extremely uncomfortable. Uh, I've been blocked <laughs> by, I think, probably 10 people this week where I'm not even being mean. I'm just talking pretty directly about the fact that the state is ultimately your enemy when it comes to the police brutality issue, regardless of whether or not they're disproportionately attacking and murdering black people, which it's only a minor disproportion. They, the majority of people killed by cops are white. Now, the majority of people are white, so that makes sense. But if you were to listen to the guy that was on Simmons' podcast, you would think that white people are not being killed by cops, that it doesn't happen, which is obviously factually untrue. There's about there's a little over a 1,000, I think, um, cop murders per year. It hasn't increased. It's been basically flat from like 1,000 to 1,200. Every single one of those lives matter. It is tragic as hell. It is important to talk about, but they are continuing to get caught up in the race-baiting nonsense. And until until you're willing to look at the root issue, I don't see how you find a, a solution. And more importantly, how are you going to get people to get behind your solution when they realize that it's not correct, that the analysis is wrong? You have left the majority of people white people, older white people in particular, you've left them out of the discussion because they know, I mean, I'm white. I've been abused by the police. This is not this is not a racial uh you don't have a racial monopoly on police brutality. I mean, I wish I, I mean I don't I don't wish you did. I wish the cops would be nice to me just because I'm white. They aren't. They're fucking assholes. So uh, I don't know who's dealing, who thinks that white people are having great interactions with cops. Daniel Shaver was executed by police in Arizona a few years back, crawling through a La Quinta because he failed Simon Says. Uh, Duncan Lemp executed in his bed because he had alleged firearms that he shouldn't have alleged. I don't know. Um, with his pregnant wife laying in the bed next to him. These are white people. There's another another white guy in, uh, I think it was Orange County, who had pretty severe mental illness. Same exact pose that they used on George Floyd, where they had their knees on him, and they just held him there for minutes and minutes and minutes. And sure enough, the guy suffocated to death. No big no big news story. Certainly no riots. Certainly no no looting. Certainly no CNN Chiron talking about, you know, the racial disparity in, uh, in police murders of white people or, 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 the, or the murders of the mentally ill. I mean, definitely a topic worth consideration. The fact that cops kill mentally ill people often because they can't follow commands. And we have given the police enough power that if you don't... If you don't follow their commands perfectly, they can shoot you and seem justified, whether you have a weapon or not. We have given them too much power. The state has too much power. The cops are the enforcement mechanism for the state. So unless you want to talk about that, shut the fuck up about race. I'm sorry. The majority of racism in this country's history has been enforced by the state. Is racism bad when it's not enforced by the state? Yes. Why do I have to say that? 
Obviously, it's terrible too. But you know what's worse? Killing people and getting away with it. And you don't do that unless you work for the government. So then Simmons has on a bunch of coaches. He had on Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, and uh, Pete Carroll from the Seahawks. And I'm telling you, it's an hour-long topic that I pray to God no one ever listens to. It is... It's embarrassing how the it's even even the tone of it is uniform. It's that really soft spoken, quiet, emotionless, or like uh, it's just it's apologetic and it's nervous. It's like it, yeah, they they come off nervous. They come off like they are terrified to be canceled. I'm not terrified to be canceled. I'm independently wealthy. I'm unemployed slash retired in my mid thirties. So, and these guys are rich too. I don't even understand why people that are successful care about being canceled. Who gives a shit? Speak your truth. If your truth is that white people shouldn't be talking, why the fuck are you talking? It's obviously not your truth. You're a liar. Not only that, but you're having four white guys on the podcast to talk about how white people should shut up. I don't agree that white people should shut up. I think that white people should be speaking their minds and they should be saying moral things that they believe in, not virtue signaling to the mob. Just disappointing. And then they talked about how Greg Popovich in particular, head coach of the Spurs, my nemesis as a Lakers fan for a decade plus. Um, So I already don't like him, but I have always respected him. Phenomenal basketball coach and just the master of staying on top and maintaining a culture of conformity and uh, and success. And and his big take was that it's not enough to be an ally to black people. You have to be anti-racist, which is not a new term. It's been around for a while. Um, but I wanted to talk about it briefly because this concept of anti-racism is... I, I, obviously, the similarity to anti-fa, anti-fascist, is pretty obvious. You know, when you start talking about anti-things instead of what you are pro, you don't have to talk about what you're pro. So you don't get to, you don't have, you're not forced. Your feet aren't held to the fire to say, "Hey, what do you actually want?" You can just burn the system down, and you don't have to actually say. This is the future that I'm that I'm striving towards, which in the case of Antifa was a was an important fucking question. What do they want? I mean, I know what they want because I'm paying attention, but most people don't. They just hear the Antifa and they go, oh, they're against fascism. Open and shut case. What do the anti-racists want? Oh, you know, they want they want no racism. That's not a that's not a wish, really, because ultimately you're never going to get rid of racism. So, what is your real goal? Because if your goal is to eradicate racism, you better just nuke us, because we ain't going to stop otherwise. Sorry to break it to you, we have plenty of evidence that all people across society, across civilizations (plural), all colors, races, creeds, have racist tendencies. We are tribalistic in nature. That doesn't justify it. It doesn't say it's okay, but it's just a truth. So to say you're anti-racist is kind of anti-human in a weird way. So I would much prefer that people talk about what they believe 
in when they say they're anti-racist? Do you believe in freedom and equality for all? Because I was on board with that. Do you believe in being prejudiced towards white people and trying to propel black people above white people despite merit? Because I'm not on board for that. So let's talk about what you actually want. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of them are are afraid to say. Some of them don't know because they're idiots and they're virtue signaling and they don't have a clue what they're doing. They're just simply taking in signals from the media and from their peer groups and then they're reflecting it back out to everybody else. But then some of them don't want to talk about it because the truth is it's socialism. And that's the that's the secret that's the very poorly kept secret, really. That this is about socialism almost all the time. Anti-racist almost across the board support socialism, which is a larger state. The state that is choking the life out of George Floyd in front of you for nine minutes. That's what you support. And that's why I can't get on board with you. That's why I can't protest alongside you. That's why I won't go out there with my AR and protect your dumb ass. Because you want me dead. Because socialism ends in genocide and starvation. And I like the food. I like food and I like living. So sorry. Can't help you. Stop talking about how worthless and beyond salvation I am. And start talking about what you do want that doesn't involve state power. And I'm with you. All the way. Until then, I'm not your ally. The dude that he had on that, uh, of course, I can't remember the black guy's name. Fuck, I'm racist. Anyways, uh, he was talking about statistical analysis for every single answer you can have to police violence, which I found fascinating. So he said that, uh, he said that basically if if a police force had more than 35% of its force being black officers, that then there was like a 75% reduction in the death of black people, which, you know, in my opinion, kind of makes sense because it, it amounts to an ethno, not an ethno state, but um, a, a, a homogenous ethnicity in a, in a town that's being policed by similarly similar looking people. Um, that's not to justify the killing of, of anybody by the police because they look different from you. That's obviously evil. But it's just to point out that it, it's, just, it's just not really what's happening here. So a perfect correlation that I saw was that he said 35%, once you get to 35% of the force being black, you have so much less black people dying by the police. Well, it's probably a black town because there's not many police forces that have you know, half of the cops being black. So it's probably a black town, which means that it's probably a smaller community or it's a community that knows each other, hopefully. And I think that's really, at the end of the day, likely the issue. So I'm not even sure that the fact that the, a greater percentage of them are black is what's saving black lives. And he didn't even begin to try and do statistical analysis on the fact of whether or not it actually just saved lives, period. <laughs> when you have more black cops, does that mean that less people are being shot when they aren't armed? I don't know. He didn't talk about it. But 
when your entire focus is on race, it creates a blind spot. And it and it makes your answers, in my view, essentially worthless. And I think that it's really humorous because Bill was eating it up. He he looked by the way, Bill Simmons is a sports writer. He's one of my favorite sports writers of all time. Um but he's hard left and it sucks. Whenever he talks politics, I just shake my head. Um, but anyways, Bill was eating it up. And this is immediately after we've seen what statistical modeling amounts to with COVID. So what the hell? Um, very frustrating. Very frustrating that people are still not able to see that using pure statistics as opposed to, to baseline principles about humanity can get you some really bad side effects. And I fear that until we get to the get away from that technocratic way of of looking at policy solutions, we're going to have more lockdowns and more death and destruction all brought to you by happy smiling leftists that think that they're doing what's right for you. And we really have to push back against that. If if the lockdown didn't show you how absurd the situation is and how dire it is that we fight back. I don't know what will. So I hope we do. And the other point I wanted to bring up is that if, if he is correct, that having um, a greater density of black people saves black lives, he's making the same argument that white supremacists do, that we're better off having separate civilizations. No thanks. I like having diverse views, opinions, and appearances in my peer group and in my country. I think it's I think there is value to it. Is there also issues that come from, you know, cultural clashes? Absolutely. But if your solution is to just keep black people together with black people, you're making the argument the KKK would. I don't know how they don't see that. This is this is a black activist basically calling for that. And and that's not historically anomalous. There are black, you know, the Black Panther movement was largely about, um, there was the, they wanted to go back to Africa, some of them. And some of them wanted to have their own civilizations uh, separate from white people. I, you know, I'm a voluntarist. I believe that you have that right if you want to, but I, I personally don't want that. I don't think that that our differences because of appearance are so vast that we can't bridge that gap. I think it's ridiculous. I think personally, I have no issue with other races, basically as long as they don't have issues with me because of mine. And then really, really the people that I hate most and the people I'm most biased towards are those that that believe and espouse government power over all of us. Because as soon as you do that, your opinions have force behind them. And that removes my choices. So you then become my enemy because you're you're dictating what I can or can't do with my life. And in some ways, my freedom, you know, sometimes my life itself. Um, so anyways, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not willing to get on board with the whole separation thing. Uh, thanks. No, thanks. And then there's the irony that people are calling for what myself and libertarians and anarchists have been calling for for decades, which is for the cops to stop killing us. <laughs> and yet, and yet, we aren't allies to you. We're still, we're still talked about and put in the category of the MAGA folks. Like, 
you can't look past... I mean, you're the ones being racist. You're looking at our skin tone, and you're telling us that uh, thanks but no thanks. I don't want your support. Even though I've been talking about the war on drugs and the police state and the militarization of our police and horrific crime laws brought to you care of Joe Biden in the 90s. Um, I mean, the libertarian movement as a whole, including myself, has been all over this issue. We have identified it as the root cause of actual negative impacts based off of race in this country for a long time. The welfare state, too. But yet, we're not allies. And you know why? Because we don't, we don't look to the government for the answer. We look to diminishing the government as the answer. And that's, that's the dividing line. If you are opposed to government, you cannot ally with these people. They will, not, they will not ally with you. They will not see any potential solution that diminishes state power because they have been indoctrinated since birth to believe that that is the way. They believe that corporations control them and the government is there to assist. They are beyond salvation in that regard, many of them. Fortunately, some of them are waking up and the red pills are flying. Each brick thrown is a red pill. As far as I'm concerned, each each black man executed by the cops is a red pill, which is tragic. But in a way, it's good because the more often people have to look at what the state is really doing to them, the better, obviously. So keep it coming. And then there's the, the virtue signaling nature of the corporations, which has driven me absolutely out of my mind. <laughs> The Babylon Bee had a funny one about uh, Hidden Valley Ranch saying that uh, nation's racists repent after reading statement on equality from Hidden Valley Ranch, which is basically what we've all experienced over the past uh, couple weeks. I guess it's only been a week. Jesus Christ, time's going so slow. But one I really liked was Bethesda Games. This is legit. Bethesda Games, which has made a bunch of great video games. And they had every... So they have like Bethesda... North America, Bethesda, Asia, Bethesda, Australia. And then they have Bethesda, Middle East. <laughs> and every single Twitter account for Bethesda had, as of June 1st, when it became Pride Month, they had the uh, the rainbow flag supporting homosexuality or LGBT, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but not, not Bethesda, Middle East. So... Your virtue signaling only goes so far. As soon as it actually causes you any financial uh, pain, it's no longer the message that you're putting out there. And it's just so transparent. That's what all these companies are doing. And I don't understand why people don't see right through it. I mean, people hit like when companies like uh, you know, Coors Light puts out a different colored can for gay people. They don't, they don't see through this? I mean... Do you watch advertisements and think to yourself, everything I'm hearing is true? <laughs> do, you, do you think that you're not going to be happy until you get that new pair of jeans? <laughs> Are you that empty as a human being that you believe every ad that graces your eyeballs? You pathetic, broken human being. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> These are marketing companies. They are telling you 
whatever you want to hear to go buy stuff. Stop believing them. Or at least think for yourself. Jesus, Lord. Oh, my God. You guys are crazy. Uh, I wanted to talk also about the, uh, the little girl who was used for a photo op with a sign that said, privileged, with an arrow pointing at her precious, sad little four-year-old face. Um, and it, at the bottom, it said, hashtag Black Lives Matter. To put it real directly, this is child abuse. You, If you're doing this to your kid, kids, by the way, have they, they are probably the only people on earth that are truly colorblind, especially at her age. This little, precious little four-year-old, I'm sure, has friends of all colors at preschool and could care less about race. And her mom is going to force her to kneel, hold up a sign saying that she's privileged. And I don't know if she's telling her to make a sad face or if it's just happening because her mom sucks at life. But it is tragic. And I don't believe in the power of the state to take away children from their parents. But Jesus Christ, I hope you have family and friends that rally around you and shame you into oblivion. You are awful. This poor kid has nothing to do with it. Which brings me back to the point that... Most of us alive have nothing to do with it. Not to mention, most of us in this country that are white weren't even, our, our ancestors weren't even in this country when racist shit was going down. I mean, in terms of slavery, which is the real racism, um, I w- my family wasn't here. My family came from Germany and England in the early 1900s, fleeing the Nazis, some of them. So... Do I need to apologize for slavery because of my skin color, because of my ancestors that had nothing to do with it? What sense does that make? Oh, I have privilege because I'm white, because my skin tone is white. Well, if that's the case, what's up with all these white people ODing across the country that no one cares about? No one bats an eye for. They are hopeless, impoverished, uneducated, left behind, then every avenue of media they listen to has to tell them how it's their fault. I can't even imagine. I mean, I am privileged in the regard that I had good, a good family, was middle class, and now I've found success. I mean, thank God. So if you want to call that privilege, sure. I'm privileged in that regard. But if you're going to say my skin makes me privileged, fuck off. I have no, I have no patience for it. I'm not playing the game. I don't care. Cancel me, unfollow me. I don't give a shit. At Liberty Lockpot, unfollow me. Hugs and kisses, bitches. Um, so you know I've been all over the COVID fear mongering, basically calling out the health experts for using models that are insane and just saying how ascientific they've behaved and how we've allowed top down top down dictates from technocrats using shit science to control our lives and remove our freedoms and eviscerate our civil liberties. Well, it got worse. This week, public health experts began to claim that white supremacy was essentially the virus all along. (laughs) These are health experts. In my view, it's a really convenient way of allowing the entire topic to change from the fact that they blew it with the lockdown. They imploded the economy. What did we get for it? riots on the streets that's the other thing i want to talk about there there is no it's not it's no longer acceptable to talk about the fact that we are having riots largely because 40 million people are unemployed 
these people had to go to jobs. They wouldn't be calling in sick to go tear up their own store that they work out. That's ridiculous. So the COVID overreaction largely created this issue. And that's not to diminish the real gripes that they have against police brutality, of which I am a supporter fully. Um, but it is to say that, you know, you'd have to be blind to think that the lockdowns haven't added huge fuel to this fire. I personally don't think we would be having any looting if it weren't for the lockdowns. Now, I can't prove that, but I would bet a lot of money that that's true. A lot of people have already talked about the fact that identity first politics, um, identity politics as a whole, really, but particularly those that believe that identity comes first and foremost, and it's just it's applied to everything that you can possibly discuss with these people. That a lot of this is a culmination of that process run amok, where the supposed anti-racists are now hyper-racist, which, in my view, is pretty coincidental, given that uh, the anti-fascists are extraordinarily fascist. Now, they don't view themselves that way, but if you actually look at a dictionary, they are, so... I don't know what to say about it other than don't be anti-racist, don't be anti-fascist because you're going to be a racist and a fascist. One of the more lighthearted stories was the Minneapolis Police Union official that came out and said uh, on Monday that the officers had been terminated, quote, without due process, end quote. The cops that were fired, he is arguing that they were terminated without Due process. Uh, excuse me? I terminated without due process. That would be George Floyd. You terminated him without due process. And the unmitigated gall to, to use that phrase in defending the cops that terminated another human being without due process. He's going to use that phrase to talk about them getting their jobs terminated without due process. What a clown show. What a clown world. I mean... <laughs> it's like that when I when I read stuff like that, I'm like, all right, simulation time. This is definitely not real life. There's no way this is real life. Um, then then you got uh, the propaganda news arm, New York Times, saying that a study of 700,000 first time handgun buyers found that on average they were nine times as likely to later deliberately shoot themselves than non buyers were. First off. I don't know how you can only be nine times more probable to shoot yourself than someone who doesn't go buy a gun. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I mean, the fact that it's only nine times higher than all of these people that don't have guns, I don't know. I mean, that's incredible. How are all these non-gun buyers killing themselves? Um, but then also... It's a, it's a mechanism for suicide. If they weren't going to buy the gun to kill themselves, they'd be, you know, driving off cliffs and jumping off buildings. This isn't like, this isn't a uh, a damning factoid against guns or gun ownership. It's laughable. But that's that's how far the gun debate has fallen, that the New York Times is now running, you know, pure statistical bastardization to try and make arguments. Which, by the way, good luck disarming this country after the past three months. Good luck. The cops abandon us in our time of need. The one thing that we think we need them for, when we needed them, they weren't there. 
Do you think I'm ever giving my gun up? Ever? No. I will literally die with it in my hands if I have to. You will never take me, and you will never take my gun. Period. It's not going to happen. The cops and the firefighters, the entire state apparatus in Minneapolis, stopped taking calls when they needed them most. And you think people are going to talk about what guns I do or don't need and I'm going to take you seriously moving forward? Oh, buddy, I hope. I hope. Oh, talk to me. Please talk to me about how I don't need a weapon of war when my backyard is a fucking battlefield. (laughs) You're going to take my gun away because I don't need it? Bro! Turn on the news. We need guns. The cops aren't protecting us. The cops are killing us. They aren't protecting us. They aren't they aren't returning our calls. Sis, he ghosted you. Get a get a gat. Strap up. It's time to defend yourself. Ridiculous. Oh, Jesus Christ. And uh my boy Dave Smith was talking about how he thinks that the divide in this country is not authoritarian versus libertarian. And at this point, it's sane versus insane. I think that's true to a certain extent. Um, obviously, Dave is categorizing us as the sane ones, which I think is true to a large extent. But I think that it's still largely authoritarian versus anarchist or authoritarian versus libertarian. And I think that it's... We're really at a at a tipping point in this country, in my opinion. Either... Either we're going to rally around principles that, that we can unify behind, which to me seems like there's a, an opportunity. So I'll stay optimistic for two seconds just to say that there's a lot of reason to be hopeful that you know people are fed up and they're, they're asking for change. I, what I wanted to talk about was the, the fact that there, there were protest, mass protests across this country a month ago, less than a month ago, for the lockdown, and then there's been mass protests and rioting for police brutality over the past week. So basically one half of the country protested a month ago, the other half protested this week, and yet we're as divided as as we've ever been. What that should be showing you is that we're actually unified. We're unified in the sense that if we can identify what's causing us the pain, we we can find unity. To me, it's clear, it's crystal clear that we should unify in an us versus the state fashion. The state is the one that kept us in our homes. The state is the one that made 40 million of us unemployed. The state is the one that choked the life from George Floyd and Duncan Lemp and Daniel Shaver. The state is responsible for the vast majority of what ails this country. A quarter of this country gets it. I really believe that. I think 25% of this country, honest to God, gets it. They see that there is a real problem with the state and its power. 75% of this country doesn't. So, you know, whether or not we can get them on our side and unify behind the fact that that I'm not your enemy, the guy with the with the badge and the gun that can kill you and do little time if none if not any, he's really our our mutual threat. I mean, it's the truth. Can we unify about, unify behind it? I'm not sure. But uh, if we can't, I think the obvious answer is there, that secession is the only way. 
if we can't unify in this moment, given how egregiously the state has treated us over the past 90 days, the only answer is secession. I, I truly believe that to my core. And I think that we should have at least three states, the left, the right, and the free. You know where I'll be. I'll see you all there. And then the last point I wanted to make today, and then I'll let you go, the uh, the economy. I think that that's the, the canary in the coal mine that everybody forgot died. And it dropped dead weeks ago. And it's going to be really easy to overlook the economic pain because we're all so caught up in our cities burning. Rightfully so. I get it. Like, obviously, you're going to look at the train wreck. But my job is to remind you that as bad as things look in terms of civilization, they're worse in terms of the economy. And you can't, you simply cannot have half of working age people unemployed for four months and expect the economy to function. You can't do it. It's not how it works. You can't money print your way through it. No amount of burr is going to get you through. So keep your eye on the ball. Um, I've already talked extensively about ideas for investing. Just a reminder, get your credit right. Be prepared. Have the down payment. Have the credit. Hopefully have enough income that you can qualify for a home loan when the time comes. I think we're going to see a, a serious real estate collapse over the next 12 months. That's my personal opinion. Whether or not the Fed can you know, kick the can one more time, I don't know. But, but don't trust in the fact that they're going to kick the can. Believe that it's going to fall apart and plan accordingly. Secondarily, cash on hand, even though I know a lot of you believe inflation is imminent and inflation is occurring in certain investment assets, I believe that having cash on hand so that you can actually buy things when uh, values drop is going to be important and assets are dropping. So I think that's a good good tip. And then crypto and physical metals. I, I think that if you can get your hands on physical metals, you should as soon as possible. Um, I bought a ton. Uh, I've been trying to advocate for my family to get some diversification into them. It's super tough to find physical metal already. And it's only going to get worse. So I, I honestly believe six months from now, when the economic collapse is obvious to all, it's going to be a nightmare to get your hands on physical metal. So don't wait until then, because you may not be able to. And then lastly, guns and ammo. Good God. Ammo, especially this week with the riots popping off, I, I've heard that you can't find ammo hardly anywhere. Um, I went and armed up and ammoed up three months ago, two days after the lockdown was declared in California. So, and it was a, it was a task. I was there for like almost the entire day waiting to get helped. Just don't wait until these moments happen. I'll never do it again. I mean, the next time we get a little bit of calm and I can arm up, I'm buying thousands and thousands of rounds so that I just don't have to worry about it anymore. And it's not that expensive. So just do it. I mean, that stuff may be more valuable than tradable silver. Like, honestly, it's, if, if things get as bad as I think could with the economy, you're going to want to be able to defend yourself and your family. Like that may become the currency of the day. So don't be left empty handed. It's an easy enough thing to have some exposure to. So go get it. Anyways, thank you so much 
everyone for tuning in once again. Not like you're tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Uh, this is Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint. Hit me up at Liberty Lock Pod. Thank you so much for all the new followers. I cannot believe how explosive this show and my account have gotten to become. Um, honestly, it's I, I'm inspired by it. It makes me want to do harder or go harder, do better, strive to to dig deeper to you know understand what we're dealing with and spread the message of liberty, which I know you all support so deeply, and that's why you're tuning in. And if you do support Liberty like I do, if you want to help spread that message, go to iTunes, leave me a five-star review. I will shout out anybody that does it. Unfortunately, I forgot to bring the list of all the people that did it last week and the week prior. I will on the next show. I 100% guarantee I'm going to give shout-outs to everybody that left me those reviews. And uh, thank you so much to just keep sharing the message. You guys rock. Hugs and kisses. We out.